Welcome to the Lay the Course podcast, a show featuring women in business who every day are pursuing their life's passion through their work, inspiring stories by incredible women. And now here is your host, Kelsey Stein. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lay the Course podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, which is Sarah Miller. She is the owner of Little Oak Apothecary. Sarah, welcome. Hello. We are so excited to have you in today to learn more about herbalism. So if you just want to start off and tell me a little bit about yourself and about Little Oak Apothecary. Yeah, so my name is Sarah. Um, I am born and raised here in the Black Hills of South Dakota, and I love it here, and I love um, showcasing the plants that grow here. So I have been studying as an herbalist for like about three years, very seriously, pretty full time. And Little Oak Apothecary, I started in November of 2019, so we're coming up on a year and a few months here. You've been in business a year. That is awesome. So for those of us that don't know, what exactly is an apothecary? A lot of herbalists and wellness practitioners use the term apothecary for their products and, um, you know, kind of the, the base of what they sell. So like if you were in, you know, like when you go to Colorado, there's like an apothecary on every corner. And when you go into them, a lot of times you'll find bulk herbs, teas, um, different products that they're making, essential oils and stuff. And so, yeah, it's kind of, it, it used to be the, the beginnings of, um, medicine back in the day. And now it's turned into more of the holistic, uh, house to care for yourself. Like a a wellness store. Yeah. Yeah. What made you get into herbalism and what were you doing before that? Yeah. So, um, I think I've just always had a big love for the natural world. And like ever since I was a child, I wanted to know the name of every plant and flower I met. And um, I remember my grandpa giving me a little book of wildflowers as a kid. And so, yeah, like it was just something that I, I had always wanted to know, you know, just what these plants were. And then it was kind of in my early 20s, I realized that these plants also have all of these amazing abilities to like help us, um, yeah, just help maintain your wellness and like, uh, just there, it's just amazing. It, It really is like you step outside your door and there is like, a pharmacy growing in the field in front of you. (laughs) Kind of the power of mother nature out there. Yeah. Just kind of these natural. Yes, it's just amazing. And, and, you know, in South Dakota here, there's not a huge um, herbal community. There's, I, I, I have uh, one herbalist I've connected with who's East River about five hours away. But other than that, there's not a massive community here. But like, you know, if you go to like, a couple states over Colorado, Oregon, places like that. It's huge, you know? And so I, I actually was not exposed to it mm-hmm. as early on as some people are. And so when it kind of clicked, like, oh my gosh, there's this whole community within like working with the plants and like, you can actually, this can not just be something you enjoy in your life. It can be your life. It can be your career. So when I, when I realized that I was like, I'm going to school for this. (laughs) So that's awesome. And when you said uh, there isn't really a, like a community around here of herbalists, there's maybe one other, how do you, uh, through schooling, you're doing it online. How do you connect with 
other or are you connected with other herbalists like across the U.S. like you know these people in Colorado yeah I really yeah I honestly Instagram has been the biggest like gift as far as connection with with different herbalists it really was through Instagram even that I met my dear friend Dorote uh who it really kind of opened my eyes to the world of herbalism. And we even had the chance to meet in real life um, about a year after meeting on Instagram. So yeah, honestly, like, it's kind of funny and cliche to be like, oh, this social media platform, but it really is like the biggest way I've connected with people. So that is very cool. Yeah. So what do you think at this point is the most unique thing about your business? I would say... When you compare it to maybe other types of businesses, there is so much care that goes into like the sourcing and every step of the the product. Like that, you know, people can have handmade products out there, but I am my products I'm growing from seed. And so it's like I I will grow my plants from seed to an end result of whatever I've taken that plant, cut it, dried it, turned it into something else. And, and so my products really start from the ground up and I, I solely work with plants from my region and from this bio region. And so I go out and I, uh, that's something I studied in school. I studied wild foraging, botany and plant identification for, um, a year and a half. And so now I go out and I, yeah, gather plants from the wild and, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So when you buy something from me, it's like this really special, like completely South Dakota wild grown thing. And it's, it's exciting. Sarah, what is your process? Yeah. So, um, Definitely, like, the spring and summer and fall are heavy hitters for, um, there's just a lot to do. (laughs) And then winter can be kind of like a little more sit back, um, relax a little, study a little. But basically, like, once plants start coming into season, I kind of take, like, my my winter season to look ahead at the next year and, and really kind of get my feet back into studying. I sort of map out what plants are going to be growing at what times of the year that way I kind of am keeping an eye on it and um yeah as I come into different seasons I will honestly like drive around and scout out plants and just see where they're at see if they're growing there's Mm -hmm. been times like I'll go out to forage and I'm like I'm totally out to get some yarrow today and I go out and it's not at all going to be ready to bloom like I'm like a week ahead and so I've kind of yeah so I've kind of learned to um yeah I kind of go scout the plants out and then uh as I move through the seasons I just forage as much as I can and um each plant that I kind of have an idea that I'm going to work with I uh revisit that plant I revisit what it's um good for how it will uh what's the best way to work with it so there's certain ones that i want to create an extraction with a tincture or there's ones i know for a fact i'm going to use for a skin balm and so um that helps me know if i want to work with that plant fresh or dry so um yeah i'll go out and forage i'll get home and if it's something i want to tincture i'll just immediately start uh 
processing it to put it into a jar and start that extraction. And those take about um, anywhere from four to eight weeks to do their do their magic. And um, then uh, I have um, like drying racks. Like I'm, I'm constantly running out of room. So I, I have drying racks. I have lines strung up in the guest bedroom where I hang plants to dry. That's and, amazing. Yeah, it's just a really funny, funny area. Like my office is definitely different than other people's it's probably gorgeous though. <laughs> it really yeah I do love it honestly like I love having plants just hanging and drying mm-hmm. around like it's so calming but yeah so then I um I dry plants and then I get them all uh jarred up stored away and then um I yeah I just I start to make like tea blends bath soaks different things um with them and like we're kind of like right now it's late summer getting into the very beginnings of fall foraging and in the fall you tend to forage more roots because like as a plant has been um growing throughout the summer it's pushing all of its energy up into the plant into the leaves into the flowers and then as the leaves and the flowers start to die back it starts to pull all that energy and its life force and all of its medicine back down into the root systems and so plants that have like uh plants that you want to work with the roots for you wait until the fall and you um make sure you can still identify like what's growing above ground so you make sure you have the right plant and then you start digging up roots and you have to wash them and chop them and dry them and yeah it's it's fun <laughs> so that is a fun process yeah and, and an often awesome office <laughs> <laughs> yes just a, a seedy just planty little office <laughs> um yep and then I uh as I as I work through seasons I have kind of like seasonal shop updates so I'll do um, a lot of the, like, the spring shop update will have late winter and early spring foraging. So those will be things like um, juniper berries or, uh, like, cottonwood buds. The buds that start to form before the leaves are really, they have this amazing resin that's, like, so healing to your skin. And so those I'll go out, like, after blizzards, I'll make sure that I try to get out and get under the cottonwoods because the wind will blow them right out of the tree. So, like... By, like, anytime there's a snowstorm, I'm like, okay, gotta go check the cottonwood trees. <laughs> and so I, um, yeah, so the spring shop update will have things from late, like, winter products or winter herbs and, um, like, late winter, early spring things. And then once I do my midsummer shop update, that'll actually be plants that I was foraging in the spring and early summer. And so it's kind of all, you, you're kind of getting... Um, yeah, and like in the fall, it'll be all these like, all these amazing like summertime, you really have like this just explosion of plants. So then I'll kind of carry some of those summer plants into a fall update and a winter update because I'll have like so much more. And so, yeah, so then once I kind of hit December time, I've hit a point where I've run out of my um, plant matter and I get to take a little bit of a break until about February. <laughs> so and that's when things kind of start popping back up. During your break, um, 
anything you would sell or what do you do during that time during that time I honestly just give my body a rest and give because it's like a very it's just such a physical job like Mm -hmm. foraging and all that and just just mentally being like keeping an eye on the plants and all that um so yeah I give myself a break I definitely catch up on school because definitely in the summertime I um yeah I get behind on school a little bit but then I just bust it in uh the winter time and I uh I there's a lot of like like my main schooling is through Chestnut uh, School of Herbal Medicine, but then there's like so many other amazing herbalists out there that have different courses and they'll have a lot of like free mini courses. There's um, workshops of all kinds. So I kind of take that time to just like snuggle up with a blanket and take a workshop or two. <laughs> so yeah. Favorite product you made so far? Hmm. Any happy accidents in products where <laughs> you you're know? planning something and then wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I do. So my most recent kind of happy accident was the first um, herbal bath soak I made. It was such an experiment the whole way through. And there was so many times I was like, I ruined it. I ruined this whole batch. (laughs) Like, so I tried, um, you know, there's, there's different ways like to, to preserve and cure different plants and one of those is you can salt cure plants and you can you can preserve things into salt and so I like took that mindset and I was like okay well people have done this with like finishing salt Mm -hmm. sea salts for food they've made like rosemary sea salt I'm going to try to take uh fresh lilac blooms and I'm going to try to like pack them into epsom salts and make like a bath soak out of it and as I was doing it you know it's like I'd go peek at the jars every single day and it started to look like a science experiment and I was like oh my gosh what am I doing like I've literally ruined this this is so gross but then I like sifted all the plant matter out and I had this like really cool like beautiful smelling epsom salt and then I added some new herbs into it like this time I added dried herbs in versus like packing fresh in and I let it sit for a week or two and I came back to it and I was like, oh God, it smells weird. What did I do? Is something wrong with it? And then I just realized that it was like, no, no, it's not. You like, you kind of like let it breathe for a minute. And I was like, okay, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. And so like, yeah, it was definitely like this big experiment of figuring out, you know, kind of figuring it out as I went, but the end result turned out so nice and I was so happy with it. So yeah, that's honestly been my favorite product so far and like I learned so much through it so I'm mm-hmm. so excited to make a new Epsom bath soak with herbs being with wild foraging again is you've spent hours out in the field gathering these plants gathering these flowers and if you mess something up you can't go get it again like they're gone like they've they've yeah. bloomed they've set seed they're gone so like the that's the pressure of like really making sure like you have at least, I don't know, like the right amount of education going Mm -hmm. into it so that you don't, you know, and there's going to be mess ups. There's going to be times that I do. I make something and I'm like, wow, I just ruined all of this. (laughs) And I have to wait until next June to get that plant again. (laughs) But, you know, there's there's fun in it too. There's fun in the learning lessons. So I think that's great. (laughs) Um, So when you're out foraging, I just find that so interesting. And what are some... uh, Like, I look outside and I think, wow, that's really pretty. But while you're foraging, what do you know 
that the average person does not know about where things grow or how things grow or things like that. And things I would have never, going into it, I would not have known this before school is like, uh, like you can't forage anywhere near railroad tracks because railroad tracks are one of the most highly sprayed things with pesticides and weed killers to like, you know, keep the area clean interesting. and so yeah and so like that was like a really interesting thing to learn so it's like you know you might be out in this open field and it looks like this pristine place but if there are railroad tracks running through it like oh can't forage here and like underneath power lines again like they do that to make sure obviously like that a fire doesn't start or things like that but under power lines there's so many um, weed killers sprayed and things like that and then uh, a lot of plants have poisonous lookalikes mm-hmm. and so like I don't when I study a plant I don't just study that plant and go oh this is what it is I also study any possible lookalike it might have and I probably honestly know characteristics of poisonous plants even more than I know you know, plants that are out there to help you because those are the first things you learn. Like there's plants out that grow everywhere. Like they're, they are common plants in North America that can kill you within five hours. If you were to like ingest one of their, like one leaf could kill you in five hours. (laughs) Well, obviously you don't want to kill people. (laughs) Yes. But what would you tell aside from that, which is so important to really study what you are using what would you tell someone just starting um, who is looking into herbalism and wants to kind of do what you're doing? Starting off, I think education is really important. There's um, there's a lot of freedom in how you learn as an herbalist. There's, there's so many different courses out there. There's so many different books. There's ways, you know, and there's a lot of really cool self-taught herbalists out there as well. But I would say find a small program and start start there and see how you like it. And then most of these programs, too, the beauty is that they start with the most safe tonic herbs. Like, And the, when people use the word tonic within herbalism, it means something that you can take for a long time, something that you can have every single day, and it's going to do nothing but help your body. And so, um, yeah, just, just learn the safest herbs first, first right off the bat, and then don't branch out into anything until you're really ready to branch out into whatever that other herbalist on Instagram is doing. And that, that person with 12 years under their belt who like knows how to work with small dose batches and things like that. Like, yeah. Build that strong foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just just go at your own pace. It's okay if it's slow and you'll get there when you get there. One thing I love about herbalists or ways you've talked about herbalism is your like profound respect for Mother Nature. And when you are gathering things, making sure that because you are you're sourcing all of your products, so how like you're making sure how do you make sure that you are not eliminating a species out of where you were gathering them. There's um, kind of some rule of thumb things are when you uh, when you go foraging, you want to make sure that the area you are foraging in is a, um, that the plant is bountiful in that area. You want to make sure that that plant is not an endangered native species. So I'm part of the United Plant Savers Guild. And so I um, 
uh, the United Plant Savers Guild is amazing. Like they have like a huge register of plants that are, you know, endangered or on a restricted list. Like for instance, um, if anyone's familiar with echinacea out in here in South Dakota, it's, you know, that classic, like pink daisy like cone flower um Mm -hmm. that's like a super beautiful flower and like I've grown up with them and you just think oh you see them all over well they're actually restricted now and they're they're on their way to being endangered so now like it is like everyone's like don't pick echinacea from the wild like you if that's something I want to work with I need to grow it in my own garden because echinacea is um the the way you use echinacea is to use uh, its roots and to work with its roots. So when you pick Mm -hmm. it for medicine, it's going to be, you know, that plant's not going to be able to grow back next year because you took its whole root system. So, and like when you forage for different plants, um, that like if you are foraging for roots, there's certain plants you can, um, you can like dig the plant up and then you can break its root bundle apart and you can plant three small chunks of it back into the earth and then you um like you you know maybe take like a fourth of it and then you plant the other three pieces back and you've actually planted three new plants back versus the one plant that you started with so that's um called regenerative foraging and so I'm really big on that like you you kind of want to it's like when you go to like like you stay at a an Airbnb or something. It's like you want to leave it nicer than you found it. And so that's how I feel like with nature. Like I just want to respect it and leave it better than I found it. And so I really believe in, um, yeah, just practicing regenerative foraging. Know your plants. Know what is endangered. Know what isn't. Um, when you even, – even plants that are like a really common – wild weedy plant like if I go to an area and there's only three or four of them and there isn't a field of it I'm not gonna pick it I'm gonna leave it there because like there's not it's not abundant in Mm -hmm. that area so yeah that's great well Sarah thank you so much for joining us today and talking about your business and your passion for herbalism where can we find out more about you? Where? Yeah, definitely. So I am uh, on Instagram primarily. I have a Facebook for the apothecary. And I'm so bad about updating it, but I do have. Um, it's Little Oak Apothecary, all one word. Um, and I'm on Instagram. I have an Etsy store, and I have um, Little Oak Apothecary at Gmail. If you ever are one of those people that emails questions, I'm there. You can drop something into my inbox. Um, yeah, so Instagram tends to be the main place to check out my adventures and what I'm doing and where I'll talk about shop updates and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much again. And we will put those links in uh, the comments or the description below so you can get in contact and learn more about Sarah and Little Capothecary. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Lay the Course podcast brought to you by Vela Creative Co. Connect with us at laythecoursepodcast.com or on Instagram at laythecoursepodcast. Until next time.